This is Pamela Kuhn, and the curtain is up on Center Stage, the show about the arts and the artists behind their work. The music that you have just heard is the Piano Sonata A85, the Feroci Allegretto con Moto of Charles Tomlinson Griffiths. And the pianist is the young and vibrant Reed Tetzloff, a wunderkind of the keyboard. At age 26, he dazzles with his charming smile and boyish good looks, which proves to me that young men can still be as American as apple pie. But more than that, his dazzle at the keyboard has been recognized at some of the finest piano competitions in the world, the pinnacle being the International Tchaikovsky Competition in 2015. Reed Tetzloff was singled out as a semifinalist in this prestigious affair and was dubbed the lyric hero of the competition by the Russian media. You see, sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, winning is not the most coveted prize. Born in Minneapolis, he started winning prizes for piano performance in national competitions prior to college. Reed went on to earn his bachelor's and master's degrees at Manus College, studying with piano department chair Pavlina Dokovska. He has just released his debut CD recording entitled Sounds of Transcendence, with music by Charles Tomlinson Griffiths, Alexander Scriabin, and César Franck. The choice of composers is cunning and allows for this young artist to debut with an eclectic mix of passion and finery. There is a definite connection with the theme transcendence amongst these composers and their lives, and there is a fresh transcendence into the spotlight for Reed Tetzloff. Let's see, a lyric hero to the Russians and bronze medal winner at the Cincinnati World Piano Competition, where he was the audience favorite. I feel a theme developing here, one in which Reed Tetzloff is proving that his playing is only one aspect of his talent. He knows how to hold the audience in a sense of joy and rapture. So let's hear from the young talent himself. Reed Tetzloff, welcome to Center Stage. Thank you so much, Pamela, for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. Uh, it is Thank ours, you. let me tell you. you. Congratulations on this new CD recording. Thank you very much. The program is as interesting as, as it is beautifully performed. Mm -hmm. I'm, and I'm a firm believer that the art of programming is key to success. Yeah. Your choices here are what I would call mature. Can, can you lead us through your desire in, in this you. repertoire? Yeah, thank you. Well, um, as you mentioned, the theme of transcendence sort of uh, runs through the whole program. And um, also, as you mentioned, I, I have a lot of experience with competitions. And I felt, you know, when I was doing a lot of competitions that certain aspects of them sort of put you in a straitjacket where you have to play, you know, the certain pieces where you have to play Beethoven, Sonatas, and Chopin Ballades right. and things that are kind of... The winners. Um, yeah, things that are, <laughs> you know, expected. And... Um, I wanted to choose a program that would, you know, be a stamp that I could, you know, put on the music myself mm -hmm. um, or, uh, you know, set myself apart from a lot of other people who are doing similar things as, as I am. But uh, with Griffith, Scrubbin, and Frank, um, we have three composers who um, composed these works in the span of about 40 years. Um, and Griffith and Scrubbin, uh, were actually contemporaries. They composed um, basically at the same time in the early 20th century. And um, Frank a little earlier in the late 19th. But uh, with this theme of transcendence, I think a lot of music and a lot of music that we're used to um, deals with emotion and you know, human expression and exp expressing uh, these kind of things. Um, mm -hmm. But with this theme of transcendence as I see it, the music goes uh, a step further or a step you know, in another direction where um, not only does it express 
mystical and spiritual um, ideas and truths, but also um, in many cases, I think it, it calls to life um, our subconscious mind. And uh, I see like the Faroche that's that's uh, the be- uh, that begins the Griffiths. That's almost an invitation of, to ferociousness, to you know all of these you know secret yearnings that are you know that we have to to come out and, and somehow try to give voice to them. Um, and the same with Scrabin. And then Frank comes at it from this uh, very uh, devoutly Catholic and right. you know religious perspective, and that kind of draws the whole thing together at the end. From like the organist right. to piano exactly. and something yeah. so profound. Yeah. yeah. So Scriabin yeah. was constantly searching for transcendence yes. and transformation, and he he was a self-proclaimed mystic, yeah. and actually felt that he was going to find God through his own writings, whether it was music or poetry, sure. and sure. and then he perceived things in color. Yes, so yes. he saw all sound in colors. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't think he was a synesthete, and mm. I maybe you you are. Maybe you're uh, not. I don't know. Well, not really. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I think not technically. Although I mean, I can associate. It is rare. I, I, yeah, 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 yeah. But it's interesting I mean, that, can, that Scriabin right. actually kind of foresaw having concerts with light shows. Yeah, yeah. So he was way ahead of his time. Absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah. And a lot of people. Uh, perform uh, Scrabin's music these days with with that kind of thing. I almost think that it almost takes away from the music in some cases because mm-hmm. we're distracted by all these, you know, bells and whistles going on. And um, and the music itself, you know, says says it all. But uh, at the end of Scrabin's life, he had this idea for the Mysterium, um, mm-hmm. which uh, he never finished, but and I don't know if such a thing could be finished, but uh, he imagined a piece that would be performed by um, not, like, a group of performers, but by everyone in, in in creation, you know, everyone would be a participant, <laughs> and there would be golden bells hanging from the clouds, and there would be processions, and uh, and he was basically God. Yeah, and he would, and, and it would usher in this this new age where uh-huh. you know the Earth would recognize him as as their God. Yeah, and uh, the funny thing is, when I was in Moscow, actually for the Tchaikovsky competition, I went to Skriabin's home, which is now a museum, and. Um, I got to play through the seventh sonata on his piano, which was really? that was quite a bit of fun, yeah. And oh my uh, gosh. yeah, it's an extraordinary piano, actually. It's an old Beckstein. And um, but but anyway, I saw um, he has a writing desk, and it's the house is basically preserved as much as possible mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. way that he left it. And uh, you know, you see the bed where he died, and you know, it's just made up, like just where it was. But anyway, on his writing desk, there's a score of the Mysterium. And you, you, <laughs> see, you see how he was actually trying to write this piece somehow. And um, yeah, it's, it was very interesting. But, that is you know, wonderful. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned Moscow. Let's talk yeah. a little bit about the Tchaikovsky competition. Sure. Yeah. This is interesting to me because I deal with so many young up-and-coming uh, musicians. Yeah. What I mean, this is a very pre- prestigious competition, the Tchaikovsky. And you did so well. But being an yes. audience favorite as you were, uh-huh. yeah, and one can see that you're, you're adorable you're cute <laughs> and you play so beautifully what Thanks. what was the it, it takes what was the experience like because it takes yeah. so much concentration to get through the various rounds of a competition like this. oh yeah absolutely um no it was uh it was a very unique experience um especially in terms of the competitions that i've done um mm-hmm. you know just the attention that was, you know, the attention from the media. You know, there was a camera backstage. There was a camera mm-hmm. all the time where, you know, there were people that knocked on your door when you're practicing. Like, can I take a short video of you? Oh. <laughs> you <know>? <laughs> I was like, fine. <laughs> you were really okay with that? Yeah, it was okay. Yeah, I mean, I just I just embraced <laughs> it at the time, sure. Um, you know, because when, when is, you know, when are you going to get these kind of opportunities in life? It's it's fun. Exactly. But, uh, but also, you know, the other amazing part of it was uh, being in the Moscow Conservatory and uh, being immersed in that history and mm-hmm. um 
you know, I keep going back to Scriabin for some reason, but, um, <laughs> but I played... It's easy to do. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you can't get away from him. Yeah, but uh, the first the first round that I played was actually an audition round. Mm-hmm. Um, they, had, had, they had invited about 60 people to Moscow, and then I believe they chose 36 or something to advance to the real competition. But they had this wow. audition round, which was in the smaller hall, and uh, I knew that Scriabin had performed there. I think he'd probably played exams there and this kind of thing. And uh, wow. I, I played the seventh sonata in that round, and the feeling of being in the space where he was um, and where he had played and, you know, in this room where the sounds of his playing had mm-hmm. echoed through those walls and you now a hundred years later I'm there. That was, uh, that was amazing. And, I can imagine, um, yeah. but not overpowering to you. Well, no, I mean, almost actually in that case, but uh, for, for that music, it, you almost need something like that because it just really pushed me to, to, uh, let go and kind a, of a let, it, let it soar. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Oh, but, read read Tetzloff. Let's hear a little of your Scriabin. Sure. This is the valse in A flat major, Opus thirty eight. Read Tetzloff. The Scriabin is fantastic. Thank I think you. he thank was you. speaking to you. Yeah, thank you. I think you, you had a direct line. Yeah. Well, that's. I like to think something like that. Yeah, and um, no, it was just. A, it was an amazing experience, and I was, you know, in the classroom where Neuhaus and Rachmaninoff taught. I was practicing on, you know, in this in this room. It was just really, really just something. a small so, thing. Reed. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so that was cool. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, I have Reed Tetzloff, the amazing pianist, with us today. Um, would you call yourself a deeply spiritual person? Yeah, I, w- I, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I think this is a, you know, a key aspect of, um, you know, our existence and also you know how we uh, connect to music. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I I don't know what it would be like without that. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. It's marvelous. Yeah, yeah. I know you teach. Is that mm-hmm. something that you impart to your students? I'm, I view you as being mm-hmm. so young. And yeah. <laughs> actually, you're, you're not in the, in the realm of pianists. You know, pianists right. come in the form of six-year-olds, you know, playing amazing right. Chopin uh, well, I, you know, I, ballads. Well, I, I don't impart any Scriabin to six-year-olds. Um, <laughs> but uh, I hope not. Yeah, yeah, that wouldn't be, it wouldn't be so good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I just try to, uh, you know, when, if somebody plays for me uh, – you know, whatever, Chopin Nocturne or something, you know, I'm trying to uh, just work with them on, uh, you know, delving into the score and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, refining their sound and everything like besides this. Besides yeah. just the obvious technical build. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, there's a lot of, um, 
Actually, right now I'm preparing for my next concert. I'm playing Brahms um, Opus 118, and uh, oh, I'm having a, an amazing time just with um, examining the score and the markings and, and how much detail there is. And I mean, people don't people play these pieces because they're nice, but people miss a lot you mm-hmm. know, in these scores. And you know, once you've realized you know what he wrote and what he what he means by that, and then you hear a normal performance, you're like, oh, so much is going by. That's and, exactly um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So I you know I try to capture that in all the music I play. So how do you approach a new piece? I mean, is it something you just decide upon and, mm-hmm. and you're curious about and then you start playing through it and then you keep playing through it? Or how does Good it come question. to you? Um, yeah, I mean, that that's pretty accurate, honestly. Um, I mean, it, a lot depends on if I know the piece already. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it's something that's well-known, like if I decided that I was going to play the list sonata now, um, you know, I would basically, I, you know, I know this piece from beginning to end basically mm-hmm. without playing it. But, uh, yeah, but for a new piece... Um, that I don't really know. Yeah, I'll look at the score. I'll learn about the composer um, if, I'm, if I don't already have familiarity. And uh, I try not to listen to recordings very much, especially at the beginning. Oh, really? um, maybe at the maybe after I know the piece pretty well, I'll uh-huh. do it for some inspiration if I want to. But, so you just uh, want your own voice to develop? Yeah, yeah. I try to stay away from from recordings in general. Yeah. So why yeah. the Griffiths? Why did you go to the composer, the American yeah. composer yeah. Griffiths, who's often called an American Impressionist, even sure, though sure. that's not really quite the story, is yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Um, some of his earlier works can be kind of put into the Impressionist box, mm-hmm. although I don't know. I mean, even Debussy didn't like that word. But um, no, but why I chose Griffiths, um, well, first I, I feel as an American that it is important for me to play American music, and mm-hmm. I've played, you know, a decent amount of it. I've also played Ives. Uh, I've played the Concord Sonata a lot, um, you know, and that would be if there was such a thing as the Great American Piano Sonata, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like the Great American it. Novel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Griffiths. Um, you know, he was he was a, a sort of a, in, influenced by Impressionism and also later by uh, composers like Scriabin. He was also called an American Scriabin, and. Um, well, the thing with Griffiths is he died at 35. I know, and, so young. Yeah, and he was really, he, um, if he had lived longer, we would see him, I'm sure, as a composer that really developed, um, you know, in in style from mm-hmm. when he was young until, you know, the years that he didn't live to see. Mm-hmm. But um, the sonata that he wrote at the end of his life is really um, taking out a new direction. But I find actually more than impressionist, I find his music to be very expressionist, mm-hmm. Um you know something like I was saying about the Feroce in the in the sonata, and also this piece, the Pleasure Dome of Kublai Khan, mm-hmm. which is maybe the best title in the history of which is music. also on your recording. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I know <laughs> it's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's based on the, the Coleridge poem, but um, but that's a that's written in more of the impressionist um, aesthetic musically, but mm-hmm. I think um, emotionally um, there is there's something sinister about it. It's not only, you know, this Bacchanalian pleasure dome kind of thing. It's also, um, (laughs) you know, this is kind of weird, but it reminds me of this fable or this story where um, a king is granted a wish, anything he wants, and he says, well, I'd like to have a palace built uh, entirely of chocolate. And so they they build him this chocolate palace, and he enjoys it for a little while, but then one hot day, it all starts to melt, and he's buried alive in this melting chocolate. <laughs> so I it's love this, it. this, uh, <laughs> this, this piece reminds me of that story for some reason. I um, love it. Yeah. 
Yeah. And the interesting thing about Griffiths to me is that he was just like an ordinary guy yeah, who, who yeah, was sent off sure. to, to Europe to study. Yep, yep, and he yep. studied with Engelbert Humperdinck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was influenced by Wagner and, and, and yeah. you know, the late romantics. Yep, his, yep. his music really, really expresses that, it I does, feel. And it does, it does, yeah. It has so many fantastic subtleties and colors. Right, Would right, you right. agree? Yeah, I, I, yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. his piano writing was really strong. Was, and he's written many, was. many songs. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, a lot of vocal music. Now let's That's talk. Favorite, yeah. Let's talk about you know, the Cesar Franck okay, choice, sure. the, the Prelude, Chorale, and Fugue. Yeah, this yeah. is such a famous piece, right? right. And I felt um, when I listened to it on your CD that you gave it a beautiful kind of fresh reality. Thank you. Um, okay. So tell yeah. me, tell me your relationship that's, with this piece. Yeah, that's a piece that's uh, meant a lot to me for a long time. I've played it for years, um, and uh, I don't know. I've always, I've, I've always found really special things in it. One thing that I think is just fascinating is that he, well, he began to write it, um, and he had the idea that he was writing a prelude and fugue, like an homage to Bach, mm-hmm. and. Um, then he realized as he was going, he realized that something needed to connect them. So he had this idea to put a little chorale in the middle, and then the chorale expanded and became actually the centerpiece of of the work. And um, so it became a three piece, a three part, um, a three part work. And but what what I feel and other people have written about this is that uh, he uses the forms like of the chorale and the and the fugue. Um, not necessarily in a literal way, but in a symbolic way to express something about the spiritual reality that he that he wanted to express. So, for example, mm-hmm. the fugue it begins as you know as literally a fugue where you have you know all the voices um, working together as a fugue, but about halfway through the fugue that stops and um, it becomes something where just the the symbolism of the rigor and the order of a fugue is showing this aspect of. Um, spiritual experience, and same with the chorale. Um, the chorale is interesting because it's not written in just blocked chords like you would expect, but it's mm-hmm. actually these very flowing arpeggios where you're crossing hands, right? And um, so it's kind of pianofied <laughs> you and, know, in a and way. Isn't there a um, nod also to Parsifal? Yeah, sure. Yeah, this, yeah, yeah. The, the theme. theme? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, da 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 da. Yeah, this is the the theme of the chorale. Reed Tesloff yeah. is a singer. Uh, yeah, I do my best. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Do you have perfect pitch? Yeah. Yeah, I know yeah. it. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> no, but there's yeah, there's Parsifal, and there's also uh, the Crucifixus from the B minor Mass. That's right. Um, in That's the right. the falling second, which is. Um, the theme, uh, the subject of the fugue, actually. So uh, when yeah. he wrote this, he had just been married, and he'd really found his place in life with a new family, you know, mm-hmm. after being exploited by his father for years and years right, and years. Right, right. And, and do you feel that he was really talking about the transformative power of mm-hmm. of the time, of, of periods in your life, do you think, as he was yeah, referring be, maybe yeah. with the Appoggiatura theme about Christ and mm-hmm. and the refer- reference yeah, to the Bach B minor That's Mass. interesting. I don't actually, I think it might be a little later um, after his you know, after his marriage, because he wrote this when he was about 60. It was mm-hmm. in the last decade of oh, his okay. life. He died at 68 or 67. And, um, well, Frank had, yeah, as you said, he had been exploited by his father and mm-hmm. he was a prodigy and all that. And, mm-hmm. um he had some compositions from that time, but they're not really played. They're not, you know, great pieces, honestly. But mm-hmm. um, although there are some hints of what he would do later, um, <laughs> and then he he settled into, um, you know, a solid life as a cathedral organist in in Paris and a professor at the Conservatory of Organ and Composition, and mm-hmm. um, he had a you know, devoted group of 
of, com- of followers, um, other composers like Dendi and people mm-hmm. like this. Um, mm-hmm. And then in the last decade, in the 1880s, he suddenly, he first was the piano quintet, and then he had the uh, the two great piano pieces, the Prelude Aria and Finale and Prelude Corral and Fugue, and the D minor symphony and the violin sonata and uh, the string quartet, yeah. and all of these pieces all came out at the end of his life, and they're all incredible. The greatest so, hits of Franck. Right, right. right. It's so interesting that, you know, <laughs> that suddenly he just, he got, he hit it. Yeah. Well, yeah. What, what about you now, Reed? Yeah. Where, where do we go to from now? now? I mean, you're over your comp- competition kind of era. You've really uh, emerged mm-hmm. as this fantastic uh, artist. Y- you've got a great performing schedule coming up. Thank you. Yeah. What do you foresee for yourself in the next oh, 10 years? That's a good question. Um, I mean, I want to perform as, as uh, you know, as much as I can and, uh, you know, keep um, presenting programs that I feel really passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I feel that um, I do want to do more also American music. There are certain uh, pieces that that um, are neglected now that I would like to, uh, oh, really? you know, that I would like to be performed. For, um, for instance? Yeah. Uh, well, actually, a couple of concerti come to mind, like uh, the McDowell Second used to be played mm-hmm. a lot by Van Clyburn and Andre mm-hmm. Watts, and um, also the Samuel Barber Concerto, oh, which yeah. was performed by John Browning, um, but it's not done very much now. Um, Good for you. Anyway, I, have, I play these concerti, concerti but, uh, yeah, but I mean, I just want to perform and... Uh, keep kind of putting as much personal stamp as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I mentioned earlier the, uh, that I play the Concord Sonata, and uh, the first moment of that is Emerson, um, inspired by the writing of Emerson, and mm-hmm. I always go back to his quotes. He's an you know, inspirational figure for me, and he says, uh, that which everyone can do best, um, only their creator can teach them. And he says, uh, to be yourself in the world that's trying to make you someone else is the greatest accomplishment. Um, Oh. So you know these are sort of uh, mantras for me as I it's as fantastic. I go forward. I think. Yeah. So yeah. Reed, I'm I'm getting the idea that maybe you're young, but there's an old soul inside of you. I don't know. <laughs> I think there might be right. actually. And and besides that, besides the piano world, yeah. when you get downtime, yeah, what are your passions? What do you oh, like yeah. to do? Um, I love literature. Uh, you might have figured that out. Um, I love to read. I um, you know novels and poetry and everything. Um, and I also like sports a lot. Um, you do? Yeah, yeah. I uh, I used to play a lot. Um, I would, and then I injured my fingers playing basketball. Oh, <laughs> yes, have that? Bad. Yeah, yeah. It was a long time ago, but uh, <laughs> but uh, I still enjoy you know this for fun. Um, yeah, and uh, you know I love to travel. Um, I always like you know if I can if I'm playing somewhere I like to uh, to take a trip and see other other places. I was playing in Belgium this summer and uh so I got to go to Paris for the first time. It's just a couple hours away. So That's fantastic. that was great. Um You've yeah. kind of started at the high points, you know, Reed. I mean, you right. know, Moscow, you're working your way down. I know, I'm, yeah. I yeah, mean, gee, yeah, yeah. Oh, look at you. Right. So, <laughs> so when are you doing the Brahms, uh, 118? When oh, is that's that uh, in three weeks from now, September 15th. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I, on the program, I also have the Chopin uh, B-flat minor sonata and the Scriabin fifth. So not on the CD, but another another Scriabin. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Scriabin is sitting on your shoulder right now. This is great. Yeah, he's kind of always on my shoulder, actually. But <laughs> and then I feel, yeah. it, then you have an upcoming concert yeah. uh, back at your old alma mater yeah, at yeah. Manus College. That's at Manus, yeah. On September 20th? Yeah, yep. Tell us about and, that. And uh, that's going to be a presentation of the Concord Sonata. Um, I'm going to speak about it and uh, play it, and there may be some little little surprises involved. We'll see, um, you know, related to the whole world of, of Charles Ives. 
Oh um, wow! But yeah, that's a that's a. It's called "Invader of the Unknown." Charles Ives in the Concord Sonata, and this was a phrase that he uh, that he coined for. Really, so I want to invade the unknown. <laughs> <laughs> only only Ives. Like yeah, yeah and it's like the <laughs> transcendence. You know, same same idea. Yeah. So, what is yeah. transcendence for you, Reed? Oh well, that's a good question. Um, I mean, it, <laughs> for me, I, yeah. I mean, I know it's different for everyone on Earth, actually, but um, yeah, just. Uh, hmm. I mean, I'm, yeah, it's it's a hard question to answer. That's a but, very hard question. But, um, I mean, honestly, honestly, like, I'm a Christian myself, and uh, but I, w- I wouldn't apply Christianity to Scriabin. That doesn't make any sense, you know? Um, he might have thought so. He might, yeah, yeah, he might have, <laughs> yeah, he might have, yeah, like, <laughs> thought that he was, you know, part of that or whatever. But, um, no, I mean, I think to be faithful to the music, you have to... Um, you know, you have to understand, and in a, in a way, it's almost more meaningful to, you know, immerse yourself in what, um, you know, what the composer felt and believed, mm-hmm. and to find your meaning in that. Mm-hmm. You know, rather than imposing, you know, what it is to me on it. I mean, it doesn't really like. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter what it is to me. In, it's in where a way. you are at yeah. the moment. Yeah. And yeah. it will change. I'm sure as yeah. time goes on. So that's on. why I hesitate to answer the question. You know, because we'll <laughs> ask that in another 15 Absolutely. years. When yeah, yeah, yeah. Come it'll back. be a different answer for sure. Yeah. I, I have to ask you one yeah. important question yeah. now. Yeah. What is the one word that sums you up, Reed Tetzloff? <laughs> the one word that sums me up. Mm-hmm. Whatever comes to your mind. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Um. I'm sincere, and I that's mm-hmm. that's one that's one word. But I, I'm I try to approach everything with you know with with honesty and with uh, passion, of course. But, you know, I um, could have I could have yeah. said that you were going to say that. Okay. You know, okay. you you come across in your playing with such a beautiful sincerity and with such delicious passion. Thank you. So we are, the world is going to be looking forward to Reed Tetzloff. Thank you so much. Um, Reed Tetzloff will be performing September 15th in Rochester, Minnesota, and September 20th at the Stiefel Concert Hall at Manus Conservatory in New York City. I'm going to invite you all, please, to go to reedtetzloff.com for more information about his many upcoming performances. And I invite all of my listeners to find his new recording, Sounds of Transcendence, on the Romeo record label. You do look a little like Romeo, <laughs> you know? I mean, in my mind. <laughs> Which can easily... That's a coincidence. which can easily be found on Amazon, The Sounds of Transcendence. Discover this new performer who possesses a sincere heart and mighty pianistic technique. Thank you, Reed, for being on Center Stage. Thank you so much. And folks, if you'd like, please visit my website at centerstagewithpamelacoon.com for more podcast interviews. I would really like to go out, Reed, with a little bit of the prelude from the Prelude Chorale and and Fugue from César Franck. This is Pamela Kuhn, and the curtain is now down on Center Stage. <laughs>